Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. One thing I'm thankful for, in just about an hour, this show will be over. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I'm your host, Brian Levine, coming to you on the Tuesday before Thanksgiving of the year 2020. (laughs) What a year. Uh, Anyway, on this week's show... I sat down and recorded with Mike Murphy of the Pipe and Tamper, so you get an extra long Thanksgiving-themed kind of visit with uh, Mike Murphy, and uh, we talk about his podcast and his uh, history into pipe smoking, uh, and then we'll uh, we'll kick off the music for the holiday season, a uh, big mailbag to get caught up on, and rant time, all that coming up on this week's episode of the pipes magazine radio show uh next week next week's show we'll have the uh gift buying guide or a gift giving guide so if you have any suggestions for uh maybe what you want to find in your uh in your uh, christmas stocking this year let me know just email them or send them in to me and i'll add them into the gift buying guide i've got about five or six things that are all kind of new to the market that uh that i want to have so anyway we'll do that uh music for the holiday season uh if you have a suggestion or request for music for the holiday season let me know email me brian b-r-i-a-n at pipesmagazine.com or you can reach out to me on all the uh, social medias not twitter uh instagram and facebook and i'll get those played for you hopefully but again, we'll kick those off this week and uh, keep going all the way through the holiday season. Uh, speaking of the holiday season, what am I doing? Well, this year for the holidays, uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we'll stay open and won't have any closures. But I will be working part time at the Disney store here at the uh, here at the mall near me. So if you're in the uh, Charlotte area, come by and visit me at the Disney store at Concord Mills. I'll just be doing whatever I can to help out and uh, maybe help people find the uh, perfect little Christmas gift and uh, make their holiday season a little more magical. I know, sounds kind of cheesy, but yeah, I'm having a lot of fun doing it. I'm having a lot of fun being out in the mall with uh, with all the noise and eh, going through all the training, but more on that in just a minute. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. back on the pipes magazine radio show thanksgiving day special edition for the year 2020 
And I thought, you know what? Let's bring on a fellow podcaster who has only been on the show for a brief couple of minutes when I did a, uh, uh, when I, when I, when I think I actually, uh, I, I think I actually sabotaged you recording an interview with somebody else at the West <laughs> yeah. Coast Pipe Show. And I just jumped in with my microphone. So, uh, Mike, you're, you're rude. I mean, we all know <laughs> it and we live with it. So that's fine. It worked. Uh, I forgot that you did that. So, yeah. Uh, Mike Murphy of the Pipe and Tamper podcast. Welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. You have hit rock bottom, my friend. You are clearly hard up for interviews. And, and, and you must be really lonely to actually want to do uh, this with me. So You have no idea. You have no idea. Hey, so I listened to your Alexander Hasty um, episode yeah. just yesterday and I have a song for you, and I think this is either your new intro song or maybe a song that you can play towards the end of this episode. I'm not going to play the whole song. Just real quick here. You do mention that you're not a perfect person during that episode. <laughs> no. That just, boom, I know the song I'm going to throw in here. I'm going to turn that off now. I, I know that that kind of shocked people that I wasn't perfect. Um, well, <laughs> but but anyway, so this is uh, so this is Thanksgiving week here in the United States. Uh, you're relatively you know, compared to me, you're newer into pipe smoking. But I'm mm -hmm. just wondering to start off with, do you have a Thanksgiving Day pipe smoking tradition, ritual, desire, or urge? No. Okay. Next that, question, please. Yeah, I want to be one of those. I want to be one of those those guests, right? That says yeah. yes or no. I don't actually. I don't. I I've been smoking for going on five years. I think it'll be January twenty twenty one. It'll be five years. I don't really have any traditions. You know, I don't have that background a lot of your that, that a lot of your guests have when it comes to pipe smoking because I'm still fairly new to it. So to answer your question, I'm gonna eat a lot of turkey, probably nap for four hours, and then go out and smoke a couple of bowls. Now, I'll remind everybody that you're in California where at any given time the weather can be nice and you can go outside where parts of the country are freezing to death already. Yeah, it's starting to get cold here, thank goodness. I live in central California and it gets blistering hot during the summertime. So right now it's really perfect for me to go out and do that. And, you know, I got a, a, a patio that's covered. So rain or shine, I can go out there. And, and and have a, a bowl of tobacco at any given time. And I could smoke in the house, which I do occasionally, but not that often. Uh-oh. Do you get caught? Is it bad when you get caught? No, I just don't do it. Um, I just don't do it that often. I just love going outside in the fresh air, sitting at the table out there and lighting up. Yeah. My wife, my wife loves the fact that I'm no longer on cigars and that I'm smoking these tobaccos that just smell wonderful. And that's, you know, what she gets out of it. So was cigars your, was cigars your entry into the pipe and tobacco world? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I smoked cigars for, I don't know, maybe 20 years and was at a friend's about five years ago up in Humboldt County. And he asked me if I'd ever smoked a pipe. And I said, no, Tell me more. So that's when that started five years ago. Now, did you grow up in California? Yeah, San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah. 
um, San Jose to be exact. I graduated in 1980 at, uh, from Independence High School. I was the only white guy at that school. <laughs> Everyone else was Hispanic. Uh, I got beat up a lot, but I, I'm a better person for that. So, yeah, I grew up here. I've been here all my life. Yeah, so my, my high school in in L.A. was uh, 80, uh, what would have been at that time considered minorities, but it was 85% minorities and 15% non-minorities. And they just kind of left us alone because they didn't know what to do with us. Now it's 98% minorities and 1.5% whites. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I also learned that when I went into Spanish class, the Spanish that some of my friends were speaking was not quote unquote real Spanish. And uh, sure those words meant different things and than what they were telling me those words meant. So <laughs> that's funny. So I got a little oopsies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk right now about the pipe and tamper podcast. Um, what were you thinking? Why would you start a podcast when there's obviously one great one and then John, David, and Bo? Yeah, that was oh, really sorry. dumb and, of me. And I mean, two great ones and then another oh, one. Ouch! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of dumb of me. And I, you know, I say that joking, of course. Um, podcasting has been around since I think 2003, 2004. It's all derivative. Every show is derivative of the one that came before it. So could I do something new and different? No. Uh-uh. It's basically I stole your show and just kind of put my own spin on it in terms of how I interview the subjects that were on the show. And I had been podcasting previous to Pipe and Tamper for six years on another podcast that I do. So with my uh, addiction to pipes and tobaccos, I... I felt I needed to uh, educate myself on pipes and tobaccos and having the podcast background that I did, it made sense to, at least I thought it made sense to start up a pipe tobacco uh, podcast to educate myself. And I've done that to a certain degree. I know a whole lot more about it now than I ever have. We're going to take a break right here. And again, we're doing a jumbo sized edition with Mike Murphy for Thanksgiving Day. So stay with us. We got a lot more to come. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. My name is Shane Ireland, and I'm the pipe manager at smokingpipes.com. It's my job to source and select the absolute best pipes from all over the world. We take collecting seriously, so you should think of us as your team of personal pipe shoppers. When you browse our site and make your selection, the pipe you've picked out has traveled from the maker to our merchandising and quality control department. It was then given to our highly skilled photographers, videographers, and copywriters before being carefully and lovingly packaged by our shipping team. The pipe you see is the pipe you get, and it's just the one you've been searching for. Whether you're on the hunt for that next special piece to add to your collection, or would simply like a recommendation from our extensive selection of tobaccos, give us a call at one 888 366-0345 and our friendly experts will be glad to assist you. We are quality. We are experts. We are collectors. We are smokingpipes.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Mike Murphy of the Pipe and Tamper podcast for Thanksgiving and all right, let's go back to your beginning of pipe smoking. Uh, you had a friend that pointed it out to you and 
did you did was your friend nice and start you off on a decent path or did you go through the rough and tumbles of the cheap pipes and bad tobacco my friend was not nice to me at all uh, he, he's a terrific guy i've known him forever uh, not his fault of course i didn't take one of his pipes and smoke it because they were really gross um but when i got home i decided okay i'm gonna go on to amazon i'm gonna type in dr Grabo and see what comes up and that's what i well, that's what my very first pipe purchase was, was a Dr. Grable from Amazon. And then I think I went on to pipesandcigars.com and bought a, um, a sampler pack of aromatics, which I hated. And I hated because they just didn't smoke the way they smelled, you know. Uh, that's the thing with aromatics, I think. They don't always deliver uh, the same sort of experience in which like if you, if you, if you're smelling apple pie, you're hoping to taste apple pie, but no, that's not the way it works. And so you went on that path for a while and then how did, yeah. how did you get, how did you get switched over to traditional tobaccos? It, it was, well, the first couple of weeks of smoking that Dr. Grabo was disastrous. And I almost gave up, but about three weeks in, I figured, okay, I better buy a tamper and I better start taking a look at other tobacco blends um, and other pipes. So that's how I went from aromatics, a very short span, to Virginia's, to English's, and everything else in between. I learned real quick that I don't get along with Virginia's. They, you know, my chemistry just doesn't like them. Um, but English blends, yeah, they work for me. So, <laughs> you found the dark leaf in the love of Latakia. Yeah, I, I did, and to this very day, it's I primarily smoke uh, uh, Englishes and Balkans because you know they're very similar. Yep. Uh, what was the? Uh, I mean, what was what was the pipe search like for you, and the the process of finding new pipes? It was actually pretty easy. I think I bought my first real pipes, and this is before I discovered SmokyPipes.com. Um, I bought it from Pipes and Cigars, and it was a uh, it was a Big Ben Rhodesian, which I liked quite a bit. And then I, after that, I picked up a Savinelli, and it, you know, it's hard to go wrong with Savinelli. They make some really nice pipes. They they seem to be made fairly well, and um, that's when I discovered, wow, there's so much more out there than what's on Amazon. <laughs> and, the, and the world of the wallet ended up opening and opening and yeah, opening. Yeah, and it's still opening. I mean, I'm not as um, spend happy as I as I used to be. I'm a little more picky now, five years down the road. But I did probably what all other pipe smokers do or new pipe smokers do. Wasted a whole lot of money on a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, well... Um, I've I found that to be more true with anybody that's getting into any new hobby where sure. it seems like we make, um, misguided or, um, yeah, wrong purchases and somehow yet we still survive, you know, those and continue on. And I'm wondering if there's something wrong with our DNA that makes us continue on. Probably there is. I think you could say that, like you know, like, like you just said about any hobby that you get into. I like cars; that's expensive. 
Yeah. So it's not as bad. Pipes are a lot more affordable when it comes to being able to get what you're looking for and not completely regretting it, right? Because the estate to, uh, the, the estate pipe market is massive. And if you don't like the pipe that you bought, it's, you know, you can sell it to someone else rather easily, I guess. Yeah. And I guess it's a little easier than, you know, having to register and, and register and sell a car is not exactly as easy as just, you know, you get a pipe you don't like, eh, I'll just yeah. flip it on eBay or trade it in for something. I bought a new car this year. I was looking at the chargers and um, I decided to go with the V6 and I just thought well, my muscle car days are behind me. I've had a few in the past, but I got it home. And then two weeks afterwards, I'm thinking, man, I should have got a Hemi <laughs> and I'm regretting that, but it's not like I can't turn around and sell that. Cause I'm, you know, it's, it's worth $8,000 less now than what I brought it. Well, then when I brought it home. So yeah, it's pipes, pipes and tobaccos are a little bit easier on the wallet. <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. Um, so let's go back to the podcast because I sure. want to say, um, you know, you had, so just be, you know, with the three different podcasts, I found all three of them to have a completely different style and different approach. Yeah. And I always admired your, uh, your interview style. Mm-hmm. And even when I would hear some of the guests that I've had on my show, I'd hear them on your show and I'd sit there and listen to those questions that you would ask. And I'd go, well, why didn't I think of asking that? Uh, so is, so your interview style, you're not a professional journalist, journalism no. major or anything like that, but you just, I, I think it's because of your, a limited background in the world of pipes and tobaccos oh. that you ask some great questions because you want to know. It's two things, Brian. It's you're right. By the way, it's two things. First being is before I started pipe and tamper, I had this other uh, movie podcast that we still do exploitationfilm.com. cheap, really cheap plug there. And I interviewed dozens upon dozens of movie directors, producers, music people, actors, actresses, so I had I got my interview style down doing that. Now, regarding the pipe and tamper interviews, I would always download the person I intended to interview from your show. I would listen to your interview, <laughs> and I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to talk about this, but then I'm going to go a little deeper here, a little deeper there. I never really scripted or wrote anything down with the exception of, like the newer stuff I wanted to talk to these guys about. So yeah, that was the case. It was being naive about pipes and tobaccos and having the uh, slight sort of interviewing background that I had mm-hmm. and the passion to learn. So that's probably why those interviews ended up like they did. And the, and the comfortable delivery. Uh, and oh. That's just natural. So you can't, you, you can't say anything about that because you just naturally have it. Uh, I guess so. That's what I've been told, and that's that's um, um, a very thoughtful comment from from yourself and from everyone else who has uh, mentioned that. So thank you. Why the uh, so so my friend Steve Fallon <laughs> uh-huh. was your last guest on, and then at the end of that show, you said it's 
you're going on hiatus. So I called Steve Fallon and I said, all right, Steve. It's, it was Steve's fault. What the hell did you say to Mike <laughs> to make him want to quit? Yeah. He was one of my best interviews, you know. Um, but, Steve, you ruined everything. No, I joke, of course. <laughs> so this had been something I had been thinking about doing for about a year. It's a lot of work. You know this. You do it every week. You've been, you're, I don't know what episode this is, maybe 450 or something like that. 428. So when you hit 500, you're looking at about a 10-year stretch, right? Yeah. So, and I do do another podcast, exploitationfilm.com. That's the last <laughs> time I'll plug that website. Um, it's a lot of work, especially uh, an interview-only podcast. You know it. I know it. I just needed a break from it. No other reason. It wasn't any particular guest that made me say, I'm not doing this anymore. So it's possible that it could come back or will come back? It, it, it will never come back full time, but I do get the itch to talk to people, uh, especially about pipes and tobaccos, and there will be future episodes, just not on a regular basis. And right now the 82 episodes or I guess there's really 81 episodes and then the intro two-minute episode yeah. are still available. <laughs> Yeah, they're all available at pipeandtamper.com, correct. And they're going to remain there forever. Um, I think it's a, you know, the three podcasts that are out there, Pipes Magazine, Pipe and Tamper, and the Country Squire, just filled with um, all kinds of great information on the hobby. And, uh, and I agree with you, we all have different styles, and we all bring something different to the, uh, to the platform. And it's not cheap to keep those out there either, because you've got to keep the hosting up. Yeah, that's correct. I am paying to keep those uh, alive and well. And you know, it's weird, Brian. I quit. I'm getting more downloads now than ever. It's just <laughs> crazy. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's hard to judge how one particular episode will do. It just You just don't know. Let's take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk about some of those specific episodes. So uh, stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf. Each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D, as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell & Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. back on the pipes magazine radio show visiting with uh, mike with mike murphy of the um now uh, temporarily suspended uh <laughs> right. pipe and tamper podcast so before the break uh it, brian like i want to come clean i quit so i could be on your show well 
you know, no, I that's was, not true. I was th- <laughs> I'm a liar. <laughs> I was thinking, I don't want the competition. Uh, <laughs> so I told Fallon to go on there and bomb. Um, <laughs> he, he, he was, uh, he was a hitman. Yeah. 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 That's why. Yeah. And now, now his sales are going to go through the roof because we keep mentioning his name. Right. Um, what so surprise? Yeah, you know, was there an interview in particular that that stands out as surprising to you, or uh, full of uh, stuff that you had no idea was coming, or um, not necessarily, not necessarily, and yes, so no, and yes. I mean, almost every interview that I did, and I specifically with people who are. Uh, deeply ingrained into the business, guys like Joe Langford, uh, pipe makers like Brandon Brooks, Silver Gray, Jeff Grasick, they all bring something very unique to the table with their craft. Um, Shane Ireland, one of my favorite interviews of all time, was another guy, uh, Eric Stokeby. Uh, you know, these are people you've all had on your program, but every single one of them were just eye-opening to me. Was there anybody that you had on that absolutely bombed and sucked? Go ahead, say their name right now, and uh, I'll just bleep it out. I'm not going to say their name. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say their name. I don't know how you're going to edit this program. So uh, <laughs> recently I did an interview that was just absolutely terrible, not because of the guest, and it was a guest that I wanted to speak with for a long time, and I finally got that person on the line. But technology doesn't always work in our favor, and that was the case. I just couldn't air it, and I didn't want to air it and degrade my show. Again, no blame of anybody other than a bad phone connection. The uh, the the bugs in the system at that yep. point. Uh, so you, with you being brand, you know, relatively new to the world of pipes and tobaccos, when you're talking to these people, are there are there pipe smoking techniques or or habits that you picked up from them that have helped shape your own personal pipe smoking style? Yes, I would say to that question, and but mostly not smoking, not the smoking of a pipe in particular. I think everybody who gets into this, this hobby or this uh, this community of ours, you have to really learn on your own how to smoke a pipe. And you can go to YouTube and watch a billion videos, and they're all different because everybody has their own way. And you, that's something that will come to you over time. But what what I I think what I, I I gathered most from the podcast was, or I learned the most of about was tobaccos, uh, the types of tobaccos, the blendings. And um, from the pipe makers that I had on the program, they just opened my eyes to what to look for. Not aesthetically, but like mechanically, uh, how well engineered a pipe should be, what what's right and what's wrong and what you should look for when you're buying. And that really, really helped me spend a lot less money and is helping me to this day. So what are some of those details that you look for? Oh, I said not aesthetically right, but when I buy a pipe, that's the first thing I look for is aesthetics because everyone listening to this knows you have to be attracted to the to the thing that you're going to put in your mouth. Yep. Insert bad joke here. Um, <laughs> mostly like I just bought this. You can't, or the listeners can't see it, but. I don't know if you can see that. That's a, a little Radici. It's a um, Rhodesian. And what I look for, first and foremost, is aesthetics. 
I prefer a non-coated um, bowl so that I can get a flashlight and really look into uh, down into the tobacco chamber to see how well it's made. Mm-hmm. Pull the stem out. Always look for the drilling, um, the button. You know, I'm not overly picky with buttons, but if they're too big, I'm probably not going to smoke the pipe. Um, so aesthetics and engineering more than anything else. The drilling of the tobacco chamber. Also, size. Size means a lot to me. I generally don't buy a pipe any larger than like 50 grams. So I you, don't like big, giant pipes. So you found a weight limit and you found specific dimensions that you yeah. absolutely prefer. Yeah, I will on occasion buy you know, 60, 65 gram pipes, but I only have one or two of those. Generally, it's right around the 50 gram or smaller. And it, and I don't like, not that I don't like, because I do have uh, my share of small pipes. I like to sit outside for an hour, hour, 15 minutes and not 30 minutes to smoke a pipe. So that's, I find that the 50 gram pipe generally delivers that length of smoke. But at the same time, you might have a bigger pipe for a time when you're ready for a long smoke or... Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I got, I got a couple of... They're not jumbos, but they're around 65, 70 grams that I'll use maybe even on Thanksgiving Day this week. Ooh, sitting in front mm-hmm. of the TV after dinner with... Sure. A, yeah. Catch myself on fire because I've fallen asleep because I've eaten, eaten too much turkey. Sure. <laughs> so, so, I have... Uh, I've turned into one of those people. Um, (laughs) I have some clothes that, you know, especially at at home. When I'm at home, I just dress in regular whatever, you know, T-shirt and sweatshirts and stuff like that. Uh, But for Thanksgiving, we might, you know, I might dress up a little bit nicer. But when it comes time for that sitting in the reclining chair at night bowl, Mm -hmm. then then I go change the clothes so that I don't hurt the. (laughs) You got to put on that weathered t-shirt yeah and weathered underwear because i see you don't have any uh pants on now yeah in case and because we all have small tobacco holes in our shirts and our shorts <laughs> it's it's inevitable that that's going to happen a little ember pops out of the top and lands on your shirt you know and on our skin somewhere that too uh can you going back to the podcast because i want to make sure that everybody that listens to this show goes and you know, support the, uh, support the pipe and tamper and help with those downloads. And then that'll motivate Mike <laughs> to do more in the future. Sure. Right, Mike, right, Mike. Yeah, uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Right, Mike. Yes. Uh, I know this is, this is like picking out one of your favorite children, but are there a couple of episodes that you're maybe a little more proud of or a little more pleased with the way they came out than others? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I mentioned uh, Shane Ireland was an absolutely uh, intriguing guest. Maybe my all-time favorite episode. Uh, Jeff Grasick is, as you know, you have him on, on a, a pretty regular basis. Yeah. Absolutely terrific, nice guy, and goes out of his way to, you know, help people with the craft and to explain the rights and the wrongs of making a pipe. So that interview was really terrific. I enjoyed talking to silver gray. Joe Langford was a, a nice surprise as well. Cause you know, Joe's been around for such a long time and he knows everything there is to know about blending and just a real likable, lovable guy to talk to. And, and let's talk, you, you've done some pipe club meets and some YouTube stuff. 
and are those those are kind of those are compilation shows, right? Where you've got multiple guests and edited and cut together. Yeah, I got a couple episodes with and on two or three YouTubers, and I string them all together. They're a little bit longer. Those episodes, I think I have one that's like two and a half hours long. Lord knows, I don't know how people want to listen to that, but it's a very very popular episode for some reason. You know. YouTube is such a strong force in the pipe and tobacco community. It's something that you can't overlook. And it's something that, that podcasters, I think, need to pay more attention to, at least when getting guests on, Brian. And doing those compilation shows, that's a lot of work, too. It's the whole thing's a lot of work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's getting in contact with these three people that you want to have on. It's sitting down and writing down certain questions, right? And then as that conversation moves along, other questions come into play and you just don't know how long that interview is going to be. And so it's a, it's a whole lengthy process and to, to finally put it all together, which, you know, we talked before we hit the record button about editing yeah. and it's, it's time consuming <laughs> and you're, you know, you're still a very old school podcaster and you're doing stuff the what I'll say is the old way, which is the proper way to do stuff when it comes to delivering really high quality content. And that's what people have come to expect from, you know, not only a Pipes Magazine radio show, but other podcasts that they listen to. I think they've just got used to how bad it is and they've gotten <laughs> comfortable with it. Um, is there a guest that you wish you had on and, and uh, didn't? Yeah, there's a lot of guests that I wanted to get on, but I haven't had on. I was just thinking about reaching out to Michael Parks. I decided not to do that because I'm lazy. Um, Sykes Wilford, I decided not to do that because I'm lazy. And I know you just had him on recently. So there's there's so many people. It's a never-ending um, list of people that I don't actually have a physical list, mind you. <laughs> but there's just so many people to talk to. And... When you when you when you're done talking to all the primary people, there's there's pipe smokers, there's um, um, tobacconists, there's so many people in this community. That literally, you can go for another five years, Brian. And some people will talk for five years too. Yeah, and I hope I'm not talking too much. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> the one, no. And then you get the ones that just uh, is do that, the is one that a, word answer. A low blow to Steve Valent? Is, is that what's going on here? Oh no, no. We love Steve. We love oh, yeah. him to death. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he was also someone else that really surprised me because I, I had met him a couple of different occasion, uh, occasions at the, the West Coast Pipe Show, but I never sat down to talk to him. And, and when I had him on, there's nothing better than getting someone on who loves to talk. And he's not an over-talker, mind you, but he's been doing it for so long and he's just full of like these real rich, interesting stories. He was the perfect guest. Yeah. Yeah, he really is. Uh, how many pipes do you own now? Because you've been at it for five years, so we want to compare. Uh, yeah, you know, how crazy? Mm. How crazy have you gone? I don't have as much as I used to. My pipes are to my to my uh, right here. I have maybe thirty or thirty-five pipes. That number was at about a hundred at one time, but over the years, you learn to. Uh, kind of hone down what you like and what you don't like. So did you have a process that you went through to, to trim down or? I did. 
Yeah, so I basically laid them all out. Uh, the Radiches, I love that that brand, so they were not even in consideration. And I have, I have around 12 to 15 um, artisan pipes. They weren't part of that. I basically laid out all the others and just looked at them and said, okay, setting aside the relationships I have with the people in which I bought pipes with or from, which ones don't I smoke? And then which ones do I think I'm not going to smoke? And which ones are just ugly and I want to give away? Because that happens. Which ones were purchases I shouldn't have made because I just have never smoked that pipe. So that was my process and kind of weeding out the the 100 pipes to chisel it down to like 30, 35 pipes. Now, is that where you want to keep your your collection or rotation? No, I'm not someone who has a definitive number. I just bought this Radici that I showed you. It arrived yesterday. I have another one coming, um, hopefully next week. And I'm considering buying another pipe from smokingpipes.com. But that doesn't mean I'm going to weed out three other pipes from the current collection. I don't intend to do that. Do you think somewhere down the road you'll you'll do another, you know, uh, spread out your collection and say, okay, wait, you know, I'm... I think it's an, an inevitable if I keep buying one pipe a week. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, and it gets harder and harder to weed those out because, you know, some of these, if, if I look at my... My artisan pipes, there's Nate King, there's a Micah Kreider, there's David Huber, Alexander Hasty, by the way, Alexander Hasty, you just had on last week. Yeah. Absolutely terrific pipe maker. Um, Paul Menard, Neil Monier, I, like, I can't get rid of these. I get a couple of silver grays that every one of these smoke fantastic. So it makes weeding out even tougher when you go to these pipes and smoke them all the time. And there's no reason to get rid of them because you're smoking them all the time. So let, let's talk about that. The difference between the, the Radiches and the artisan pipes for you, besides the fact, uh, you know, you, you've probably met these artisans that you bought the pipes from. Yeah. Um, what are the aesthetic or engineering differences for you between those pipes and say like a Radice, which is pretty much a factory pipe? Yeah. I, I would call it a higher end factory pipe. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a small amount of guys in a so-called pipe factory making pipes, but Every one that I've purchased have been just wonderfully engineered. I've never gotten a Radici that had a flaw in it or had something about it that I didn't like. And that's primarily because when I go to buy a pipe, regardless of who or what website I buy it from, I take a close look at it um, with the images that they provide. And if I have a question, like I was considering buying a, a Dunhill recently and I, I messaged the customer support and I says, well, this pass a pipe cleaner all the way to the bowl. He says, no, only to the mortise. So I didn't buy that pipe. Mm -hmm. um, Redicis are priced much more reasonable than a, a handcrafted artisan pipe. You know, Nate King pipe, this one here is, I don't know, maybe I paid 600 for it. Whereas I don't think I paid any more than 300 for any of my Redicis. So and, and but do you see a difference that's in that smoking wise in that three hundred dollar value? On some pipes, yes, yeah. but on other pipes, no. So just it, it just depends on the carver and how much experience that they've had, and that's something that you know for newer pipe smokers they have to be careful about, especially when delving into the artisan um, pipe purchasing. Um, you know how long has this person been? 
making pipes? How quickly do they sell? Are they friendly enough to answer questions over social media? You know, it's, uh, you got to tiptoe with some of these guys. Other guys, you don't have to. Now with having a, with having a pipe maker on your podcast, did you, did you familiarize yourself with their product first? And did you look, did you, did you have any standards of, of, uh, of pipe making before, you know, that the pipe maker must hit before you had them on the show? So my rule of thumb is before I have a pipe maker on, I would have to had seen his or her work. So if I'm at the Chicago pipe show and there's a newer pipe maker and I'm, I'm looking at his pipes and maybe I don't buy the pipes, but I see, okay, this person's doing quality work. I've seen the pipe. Maybe I want to talk to him, you know, dig a little deeper into what he's doing versus I've had people reach out to me and ask me, Hey, I'd like to be a guest on your show, but I haven't seen his work or her work. So I've not interviewed that person because it's, it's hard when you, when you, and you know this, Brian, when you have a a guest on the show and you're promoting, because you're kind of promoting their work when you're talking to them. And if you don't know what their, or the quality of their work is, it's, it's hard for me personally to, to do that. And you've had about 10 or 15 people on that. I had the first time I ever heard of them was when you had them on your show. So, yeah. Yeah. Even so, so probably 80, 85% of the pipe makers I've had on, I've actually seen and held their work and or own have owned their pipes. Yeah. So there's another expense because now you're buying pipes to, to try them out for everybody. So thank you for being our taste tester. Yeah, I, I, I realize I don't know, 20 episodes in that I got to stop. I can't do this cause this is expensive. <laughs> I can't buy a pipe from everybody I talk to. That being said, you know, I can always buy an estate pipe from that, from that yeah. maker or pick or see their pipes at a show. Yeah. And I've had people send me pipes in advance so I can look at them and add them on the show. Wow. I didn't think about that. No. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a possibility. Yeah. You have to return those pipes, Brian. Oh, oh no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't like that idea. Okay. Um, yeah, that, that's not so good. Um, <laughs> yeah. How many of those people sent you pipes the, just to look at and you ended up deciding to buy one of those? Probably only a couple. Yeah. And you know, not a lot. I mean, fact is I've, I've, been sitting maybe six pipes over the 82 episode run to look at before having them on. And I've probably maybe two of the, the makers pipes that I ended up uh, purchasing. And, and that's the other thing that, uh, that I do and you do. And I know <clears throat> the, uh, our, our, our two fine short friends at the uh, country squire radio. Are did, they short? Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, I've never met them. So and I'm six, four. So everyone's short to me. Yeah. Um, now, how are you? Uh, how are you doing tobacco-wise? And have, are you are you starting to buy stuff specifically for aging? Um. So Sunset Harbor Flake. If you're a listener of the uh, Pipe and Tapper, you know Sunset Harbor Flake is my favorite blend. I have a lot of it. Does it age? No, because I smoke a lot of it. <laughs> I think the oldest Sunset Harbor Flake I have is aged to buy about a year. So that never really gets aged any longer than that because I smoke a lot of it. 
but I do have quite a bit of other other blends that have been sitting on the shelves for five years now. So, and and you you bought those specifically for aging and. I can't say that I've done that. I, I have a couple of blends that I liked so much. Um, Plum Pudding was one of them. I bought, I tried the Reserve, and I go, okay, I need to buy a bunch more of this for aging purposes. So I have done that on a couple with a couple of different blends. And have you, so, so are you stockpiled fairly well? Or I guess with your Sunset Harbor Flake, you're uh, you're going through it as fast as it comes in. I, I'm good to go, and you guys are listening to this. It's a really terrible blend so stay away from it i'm i'm doing okay with my tobacco seller yeah i i I think if if they outlawed like online sales i have enough to last me for a few years which means i probably should buy more yeah well and you're also in california so yeah man you have no idea we got a governor who's lost his marbles (laughs) and at the same time the tobacco taxes are higher than most states and yeah. I mean, they're not, they're not outrageous, but you know, what do you do? You know, we're, we're in a, we're in a hobby that affords us because tobacco you can buy in bulk, right? R- rather cheaply affords us. Um, it, it enables us to buy and try all kinds of, of tobaccos at, at a low cost when, I mean, especially when you're talking about bulk blends. So how far is it for you to go to, to the nearest, uh, pipe shop? The nearest pipe shop is in Merced, and it's the Cigar Monkey. It's about um, about an hour, hour and ten minutes, and I do frequent it. Um, I, I've gone a few times, so there's nothing else closer than that one. So about an hour, hour and fifteen minutes. Well worth the drive. And normally we get to see you at the uh, at the West Coast Pipe Show, and hopefully Chicago. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know if Chicago is going to happen this year with with COVID-19 still kind of being a pain in our ass, but, and I don't fly. So I'd love to say, yeah, but I just don't, I'm up in the air about it still. Literally I'm up in the air about it and I don't fly. Don't fly. That is boy. I'll tell you that's, that's Chinese acrobat right there. I know. (laughs) I know it is. Yeah. So, all right. So the, the drive from Northern California to Chicago, about how many bowls of tobacco is that? That's probably like nine tins of Sunset Harbor Flake right there, <laughs> <laughs> which means I'd have to stock up ahead of time, you know. Do you just stack the tins on top of each other? No, on my, my wife's and... lap. She'd probably go with me. Oh, okay. So, keep, so, them, keep them in her purse. <laughs> have you taught your wife how to load the bowl for you so that you can just keep driving without having to stop and load a pipe? Well, if that trip happens, I will do that. That'd be a pretty good trick. Yeah. No, I mean... She's she's much better than a trained monkey as it is. So if I can get her to do that, I'm good to go. And she would if I if I needed her to. So trained monkeys live off of bananas only. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's a little more expensive to feed. Okay, there you go. Uh, Mike Murphy, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer. No wrong answer. Just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Sure. What is your favorite pipe? Anything that ends with an E. (laughs) <laughs> Radici, which is actually Radice, right? Yeah. Um, Cavici, Savinelli. I don't really Those. only have one Savinelli pipe. I like the Italian. I like the pipe stamped with made in Italy more than anything else and billiard in shape, which is weird because 
I didn't care for the billiard shape when I first got into the hobby. I kind of liked the exotic shapes that um, come from all the artists and carvers, which is why I, you know, stepped into that never-ending hole. But <laughs> I've ended up liking just this classic billiard shape. This is a silly question, but I ask it anyway. What is your favorite tobacco? <laughs> it's Sunset Harbor Flake, yes. Cornell and Deal Sunset Harbor Flake. It's a terrible tobacco. Don't buy any because we need to save it all for Mike. I, I asked Jeremy if he would start selling that in bulk. He said no, and then he laughed at me, and then I asked him if he would just like make a special reserve for me in one-pound bags and set them aside, and he said no and laughed at me. <laughs> and then he walked out. <laughs> yeah. They're making too much money off, off of me, I suppose. What is your favorite drink? I'm an alcoholic, so I like anything. There you go. That's not true. I'm not an alcoholic. I drink beer, mostly um, sours, IPAs, anything with citrus in it, I will indulge in. Oh, you're one of those snooty beer drinkers. I am a, I'm a beer snob. Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. Well. I'm a beer and coffee snob, so... Oh, very good, dear. Very good. Yes. Well, mm-hmm. we, we can. Talk. I don't have an English accent, oh. but you know. Well, you'd oh, sound I'm smarter a... if you did. I know. I know. I would. <laughs> Doesn't work for me. Um, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Uh, definitely a movie. A bad movie. A bad. Uh, a I, bad. I love being entertained with bad cinema. A, a bad kind of uh, slasher killer. Uh, it it doesn't matter what the genre is. If it's poorly made, I tend to really enjoy it. <laughs> but yeah, I watch my share of horror movies. So, And then finally, uh, what is your favorite pipe smoking related memory? Meeting you, Brian. Oh. That's not true. Yeah. I mean, it, it sort of is. I mean, you're in there, right? Um, I went to my first pipe show in 2018, which was the um, West Coast Pipe Show because I'm okay. in California and it's a pretty quick drive. And I ran into you, um, had a quick pipe with you. I was nervous not to meet you, but to be there because I'd never been to a pipe show. Um, yeah, for those who haven't met me, I'm way, I'm, I'm one intimidating ass bastard. Um, he kind of yeah. is, you guys. I mean, he says that jokingly, but he kind of is. Yeah. He's, I don't know if you're all aware of this. He's a bodybuilder. So, yeah. He's muscular. I build other bodies, I leave mine alone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> To finish that question, all the people I, I have spoken with on the podcast, meeting them at the pipe shows is always a highlight. So, Well, on this Thanksgiving day, let me say as I wrap this up that uh, Mike Murphy, the Pipe and Tamper, is a podcast that I am thankful for. I'm thankful for all your work that you've done with it and for some of the people that I've gotten to hear about through it. I hope we get to hear more from you in the future and more and more. And I highly recommend that if anybody that listens to this show has not listened to every one of Mike's episodes, well, you're missing out because they're, uh, they're a lot you're of fun. You're missing out. Cause it's just like the pipes magazine radio show, <laughs> except not as noisy. <laughs> and the, uh, and the host isn't a smart ass. Um, and Hey, I just want to uh, also say that, Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, you're, you are a machine doing these things every single year for almost 10 years. I know the amount of work that goes into it. And it, the Pipes Magazine radio show is just an invaluable source to to our community and, and the hobby, man. So thank you, Brian, for everything that you've done as well. 
Well, you're very welcome. And on that note, we will say uh, thank you very much. Thanks for coming on the show. And we'll be back in just a minute. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. This is Internet Radio. And we are back. Again, I highly recommend everybody go and uh, go on to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. And uh, if you're not already uh, listening to the Pipe and Tamper, go back. There's... uh, 80-some-odd 80, 80 episodes there for you. All right, for music, we start off the holiday season, not particularly with a holiday song, but with the one and only Bing Crosby. This is a song that I'd never heard before until I found it and listened to it. It's called I've Got Plenty to Be Thankful For. I've got plenty to be thankful for I haven't got a great big yacht to sail from shore to shore. Still, I've got plenty to be thankful for. I've got plenty to be thankful for. No private car, no caviar, no carpet on my floor. Still, I've got plenty to be thankful for. I've got eyes to see with, ears to hear with, arms to hug with, lips to kiss with, someone to adore. How could anybody ask for more? My needs are small, I buy them all at the five and ten cent store. Oh, I've got plenty to be thankful for. Kiss with someone to adore. How could anybody ask for more? My needs are small. 
buy them all five and ten cent store oh i've got plenty to be thankful for you know in my head when i'm singing i i i think i sound like bing crosby and when it comes out not so much oh my god you've got mail and remember, if you have a comment or question, you can email me directly, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at PipesMagazine.com, or you can uh, post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page, uh, just like some of these folks did. And, uh, and again, because, of the, uh, because I screwed up the schedule, we are going back with some comments from two weeks ago with the second part of Julius Vez. And all I can say is, uh, wow. I mean, the, the amount of other comments privately and, uh, you know, that I got from other hobbyists and collectors about Julius, I think there's a secret handshake that Julius Vez, uh, fans have and they, uh, yeah, they, they, they seem to keep it quiet, but, uh, there's a lot of you out there. Uh, anyway, Trout Times writes, uh, once again, a great show. Love the history. Glad you're documenting the maker still with us. Is still with us for me it makes this obsession of mine so much richer thank you well you're welcome yeah i'm glad to be able to document some of the history because you know some of these guys some of this stuff may go away uh crash the great rights uh fantastic two-part show it's great to hear from someone who has done this for so long his take on dead root briar was pretty interesting I may have to buy one of his pipes to see if I can detect the difference or if I'm <laughs> if I'm not yet uh, refined enough to know. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'll be interested. Let me know what let me know what happens. Uh Phil's Galore writes, "Thanks for this interview with Julius. I purchased the first one of his pipes when he had his shop in the basement of 44 York Street, a craft pipe. That was in the early 70s." I only own three of his pipes, the most recent one being a hand-cut author he made to my specifications. He's also done some restoration work for me, including replacing a threaded reverse tenon on a Meerschaum and fabricating a new bit for an old Peterson I picked up at a flea market. I've always found his work to be excellent. Visiting his shop in the Royal York was always a treat. It exuded an old-world charm. A couple of things he didn't mention in your interview was that he also makes military miniatures. The front window of his shop uh, often was filled with these figures staged depicting an 18th century battle scene. He also forgot to tell you that there was a period of time in the 90s when he sold tin tobacco under his own name made by McClelland. I remember once buying a tin of his burly tobacco and having him complain that it would have been easier for him to get pot across the border than it was to import tobacco <laughs> thanks for all the work you put into these podcasts uh, they consistently transport me into a larger world of pipes and tobaccos uh, you're welcome uh, i've heard rumor that that uh, burley blend was uh, super complicated too uh, anyway uh, casey ghost says julius is just the nicest man that you can imagine i own several of his hand cut pipes and they all smoke very well a former friend of mine bought at least 20 of his pipes, including a couple of the $4,000 pipes. Try explaining that to your wife. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would tell her. I just think I might ignore it. And uh, going back to last week with Alexander Hasty, Crash the Gray writes, a fun show, cool to catch back up with previous guests. I was incredibly reluctant as you announced the music, but that was absolutely lovely. 
really odd outro strange flash from the past. <laughs> yeah, a little fun. All right, again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, music suggestions for the holiday season, music requests, please let me know. And also next week for the gift-giving guide, please let me know. And in just a moment, yeah, I'm not feeling like a rant time, so we'll just have a, a little holiday message for you. There's nothing quite like a good book. Or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. Thanksgiving in the holiday season is a perfect time to sit back and remind yourself of what you're thankful for. And I've done this, I think I did this a couple months ago, but yes, I'm thankful for my family and for my friends. I'm thankful for uh, Kevin for letting me do this show every week with him. Uh, I'm thankful to Missouri Meerschaum and SmokingPipes.com, Savinelli and uh, Cornell and Deal, because without them, you know, this show wouldn't be possible. So... Uh, just a little plug, if you're going to do some shopping this year, perfect places to go. Uh, you know, I'm I'm thankful for, uh, for the friends in this pipe world that I have made over the 20 plus years of being involved actively in the, you know, 25, 27 years now. Oh boy. Uh, but I'm thankful for all the people around the world. But most importantly, I'm thankful for you, the listeners. You give me an hour or so of your week every week week in and week out to sit down and listen to this show and that gift of your time is just the most important thing and for that i am thankful and i will never never take it for granted and uh, hopefully never let you down <laughs> although some weeks maybe better than others but anyway to you the listeners i am most thankful for you again spending your time with me taking your time with me and giving me your time to listen to this little show that i just put together sitting here at a desk at home and yeah and then it goes out into the world and i hear from you all around the world so thank you very much on that note uh, thank you again to mike murphy please check out his podcast let's see if we can put some pressure on him to uh, keep it going full time thank you all for tuning in and until next time who cares about the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny
Sports last night as crowds cheered on a record-breaking night for Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen and Comet and Cupid and 